Hey there guys, this is Chris Hargraves from tipsforlawyers.com and this is the Tips for Lawyers podcast, episode 36. Today we're going to have a talk about working relationships with your personal assistant or your secretary or your support staff or whatever language you want to use. Most lawyers, I won't say all, but many lawyers at least have uh, some form of administrative assistant Uh, whether that's one for you personally, if you're extremely lucky, or more likely these days, uh, it's going to be uh, one who works for a couple of professional staff, sometimes three or four even, um, and I do feel a little bit sorry for those. (laughs) Um, But the fact is there is an administrative component to legal practice that is important, and it forms a necessary and crucial role of providing legal services to clients, and generally... Admitted lawyers don't do that process by themselves. So there is an administrative component to most law firms. And I think it's important to have a discussion about how we as professional staff can go about assisting that process to work smoothly and that relationship to result in better outcomes for our clients rather than particular issues that might come up with our clients. So I think at the end of the day, The first step there is appreciating that your administrative staff are, in fact, an essential component of your team. And I know sometimes it seems like perhaps they're less important in some fashion, but I think you really need to get away from that mindset. Uh, And the most obvious way to do that is to think about this. Uh, Let's take an example. In a big firm, you might have a mailroom where people do all the mail each day. I want you to think about what happens if those people all leave or don't turn up to work one day. Hopefully your brain is spiralling out of control here. You're thinking, well, who would actually go and get the mail uh, in the morning that had arrived in the post office box? Would they know where to find the keys? Not necessarily, so they'd have to probably spend a few minutes rummaging around. Would they know even where the post office box was? Depends on how documented that was. Who would in fact do it? How long would it take for people to realise that the mailroom had upped and left uh, and actually take some steps to fix that? When would the mail actually be brought in? Would they know how to distribute it? Would they understand whether there was any registered post requirements or where the book was, if there's a book or a resource of some kind where incoming mail is in fact documented or its distribution is recorded in some way? Would they know in a big firm where everyone even sits? If there's five or six administrative staff distributing mail every morning, would the person who ultimately gets tasked with this particular issue be able to even find everybody in the firm? Might they have to print out a map? And then, of course, that's just getting the mail and distributing it. So that's something that's normally done in the first little while of the day. But what about the end of the day when all the mail needs to be franked or stamped and then sent out? Would people know how to do that? Would people know how to attend to registering things properly or doing express post properly? What about international mail? What about things that needed to go by courier? What about things requiring a particular process with the thanking machine or a particular speed of delivery or a particular notation on them or registration in a book again for those things being sent out by service or registered mail? In short, it would be a huge dilemma. Now, that is not to say that eventually those things wouldn't get sorted out, but it would create a massive, massive problem in the large law firm machine. And I think that's the easiest way to think about it. Likewise, though, at a more personal level, you can think about what would happen or what does happen when your personal assistant is away or your secretary is away. Someone needs to pick up that slack. 
And that causes all sorts of issues in terms of the juggling act, in terms of other people having to then do more work than they are used to in a particular day, perhaps more work than they can do in a particular day. So it involves a reallocation. It involves more discussions between professional staff about what is the most urgent thing to be done next, where the priorities should be, who should be doing what work, whether we need additional staff and all sorts of things like that. So I thought we would have a bit of a look at how we as professional staff might go about helping that particular relationship be developed. And I think the first thing really and I have five particular steps today, but there are there's a clear starting point here, which is you need to actually commit to the importance of having a good working relationship with the administrative staff in your firm, both personal and those in the bigger picture in the shared services sorts of areas. Because if you commit to it, it means you're going to deliberately approach your decision-making, your conversations, your delegation strategy, and your way of working in a way that actually contemplates the needs of your administrative staff as well. A lot of practitioners out there do things the way they want to do and work in a particular way that they want to work for because they don't see the sheer amount of work that goes on behind the scenes in order to allow them to do that. And I mean people who keep offices uh, that are nightmarishly disorganized. I mean people who give vague types of delegation or direction. And at the end of the day, it's just creating extra work for other people. And those are just two examples. But they create extra work for other people because they're simply not considering deliberately how the way they do things impacts upon the other people around them, including the administrative staff that we're talking about today. So the first step is really a commitment to a deliberate and conscious method of working that incorporates the needs of your administrative staff to ensure that work is being done better rather than less well. The next and possibly one of the more important things I think is necessary with your support staff is open and honest communication. And that, of course, is easier said than done. But I do think that it is important to ensure that you have an invitation for your administrative staff to come and see you if they are having issues, if they are being overworked, if they don't understand your instructions. Uh, So often I see instructions given and not necessarily followed up, but then people are running around trying to figure out what someone meant when a simple question would have in fact made that far easier. It's not always solvable in that way, but you need to make it clear that you are available if it's necessary to clarify things. But you also, in terms of that communication, need to ensure that you're available to have a discussion about things as well in terms of the overall approach to legal practice. So if they have an idea that they think might work well, if they have a gripe that they have a solution for, I'm not saying you need to invite whining, but if there is a solution-based proposition that they want to put forward that might solve an issue that's coming up, then why not let them way into that kind of thing. It's not like we are the bastions of all information. So I think that open sense of communication and that paramount importance of absolute honesty are two very, very important things in terms of the relationship between support staff and professional staff. The next thing you need to do, and look, I really can't emphasize this enough, is to delegate properly. At the end of the day, it's not a form the same as professional delegation, but when you give tasks to your support staff, they need to make sense. They need to understand what they're doing. They need to know where the tools are. They need to find it. And they need to know the time frame by which you think it needs to be complete. 
If you're not giving those things, then you're not creating the right sorts of expectations. However, in the process of that, you need to be rational in your delegation as well. If, as most people are these days, you are sharing support staff with another author, then you need to take that into account. So don't say something's ultra, ultra urgent if it's in fact not. Don't say you need something out by five o'clock if in fact the client's not expecting it till the next day. Just make your expectations clear and delegate properly. Give proper instructions. That might mean when you're dictating or giving tasks, you tell them the file number or at the very least the name of the client and the uh, matter that it's involved in so that they can find the place to start typing the letter. If you're not starting that, then you're wasting their time. They need to figure out what you're talking about. Then they need to go back to the start if it's a dictation, for example. Then they can actually start doing things. So these kinds of strategies are really there to minimize the cost to the firm of getting the legal product out the door. And dictation, as I've said on many occasions, can be a wonderful way of minimizing cost, but it can also be, if it's not done right, a particularly terrible way of doing things. And this is just one of those examples. So if you haven't dictated or you're not sure whether you're doing it properly, uh, then check out my dictation guide. I'll link it up in the show notes, which for today are at tipsforlawyers.com slash podcast slash 36. I've done a fairly comprehensive guide on how to dictate, especially targeted at young lawyers. And if it's not something you're familiar with or you're not very confident doing it, then check out that guide and it will help you out. But that is just one of many different ways of delegating. At the end of the day, you just need to think about, have I given this person with their knowledge everything that they need to complete this task, including the time by which it needs to be completed? And if you haven't, then you haven't done it right. I think the fourth topic is really connected with the second one about communication, and that is that you need to provide honest feedback as well. And feedback is not something I think should be limited to the annual performance reviews. In fact, I think doing that is a colossal waste of time. I think feedback should be given on an ongoing basis. As issues arise, don't let them fester. Just say, look, on this particular thing yesterday, you did that in a particular way, and I'd prefer it to be done in another way in the future if you can, please. Thanks. It's not that hard, and it's not necessarily a personal criticism of those people. It's just a way of improving the work product, either generating things at a higher quality or a faster pace or in compliance with your firm's style guide if you've got one or whatever. If there's an issue, just deal with the issue. Get it fixed sooner rather than later so it doesn't become something a habitual problem and then you'll be able to actually move on much, much better than if you don't do it. Okay, so the last one here today is this. Don't be arrogant. The fact that you have a law degree and you are admitted as a solicitor does not mean that you know more about how an office works than your assistant does. The chances are pretty good, in fact, that your legal assistant knows more than you about how many, many things in the law firm get done. So don't be a tool, I guess is what I'm saying to your legal assistant. The fact that you've got a job to do, that's fine, and it's an important job, but their job is just as important because if they're not doing it right, then it's going to cause problems. Just the same as if you're not doing it right, it's going to cause problems. So If you are going to have high expectations of your legal assistant, and you probably should, I do, um, and most people do, but that needs to come with a certain amount of humility as well, that you are not the font of all knowledge and wisdom in the world. And yes, that is connected with the other things, which is to invite feedback. If there is a way processes can be improved, 
then allow that kind of suggestion because it's uh, that issue of teamwork that actually allows you not just to be a stagnating work producing group, but one that advances, one that improves, one that tweaks things, one that fixes things, one that allows people opportunity to actually be a part of solutions rather than simply strictly adhering to things because that's the way we do it. That's not necessarily a good way of doing things. So this kind of arrogance I see with a lot of professional staff in the way they speak to, the way they treat, and the way they interact with support staff is frankly um, abhorrent. They are there to do an important job just like you are. And I think if you can't appreciate that, then you're in the wrong business because there will be no stage in your legal career where you are not going to be dependent upon other people in one way or another to get the job done. And the fact that they might be on a lower pay bracket than you is completely irrelevant. Their job is just as important and they have to do it very well. And it's up to you to inspire them to do their jobs very well, not by beating them around the head, verbally, obviously, but not through some form of shouting, as I've seen done, not, not through abuse or constant criticism, but through the way in which you approach your work, the way in which you speak to people, the culture that you create around you in terms of constant improvement and the culture that you create around you in terms of how people ought to speak to, interact with and inspire each other. So... A quick recap, because we always do a quick recap in these. First, you need to commit to the importance of the relationship because all the other things won't happen unless you do. Next, you need to communicate well and frequently and honestly. Next, the third thing is you need to delegate well and properly. You need to arm your personal assistant with the tools that they need to, in fact, perform the task. Fourth, you need to give honest feedback on an ongoing basis, not waiting for the annual review process to roll around each year. And fifth, you need to not be a know-it-all. Don't be that arrogant guy who thinks they can fix everything. At the end of the day, other people have great ideas and acknowledging that will take you farther and better than not. That's all I had today. There will be a couple of links in the show notes at tissalawyers.com slash podcast slash 36. Thank you for hanging around until the end. Leave a review on iTunes if you have, if you've enjoyed this, if you've enjoyed any others. You can go to tipsforlawyers.com slash iTunes. That'll redirect you. Leave a five-star rating and a review there. That would be most appreciated. And that is the end of episode 36. I will see you next time.